Well, I've had uh, the privilege of knowing and speaking to a number of veterans who have served in combat uh, for our country. And if they are able and if they're willing to have an honest conversation about uh, their combat experiences, almost all of them would admit to you that they were afraid. And in fact, uh, to not be afraid would have been foolish. And I say that because you and I, I think often uh, we, we hate to admit our fears because that's a sign of weakness, we think. But fear is actually just a sign of being human. We all have fear. And only fools actually are not afraid. And you may have heard it said, and I believe this is true, that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's moving ahead in spite of our fears. And we also know that fear can be useful. Uh, It can serve as an important alarm system at times, warning us or preparing us for some kind of danger. Um, It can also cause us and move us to take some kind of action that's helpful. At the same time, fear can sometimes paralyze us and cause us to freeze when we actually should be moving. And so there are different types of fear. One beneficial, one harmful. In other words... uh, Our fear can either be a friend or a foe. There are different kinds of fears, obviously, but Scripture tells us that there is definitely one kind of fear that God wants us to have. Some not, but this one He wants us to have. In Deuteronomy 5.29, the Lord says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear Me and keep all My commands. And I think this idea of fearing God has often been misunderstood uh, throughout the years. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Before his conversion, Martin Luther, I, I read, was petrified by God. He nearly grew to hate God because Luther had a picture of God that was distorted. He had an inaccurate picture of God. He could only envision Him as a wrathful judge. But later in his life, he saw God as a loving, merciful father as well. Another example from history, uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, very famous fire and brimstone sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You may have heard of that. And that message had his congregation trembling and, and grasping the pews lest they tumble into the very pit of hell itself. And so some have evaluated or measured Edwards solely on the basis of that sermon alone. But it's also true that Edwards preached largely on the grace of God. So, to say that we fear God does not mean that we're afraid of His wrath or His judgment. We don't live in fear of what God is going to do to us. Because we don't have to. We know that Jesus has taken the wrath of the judgment of God upon Himself on our behalf. And so to fear God for you and I does not mean that we live in torment or anxiety because that's a different kind of fear that does not come from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 clarifies this, explaining that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So, In some passages, it says fear. and this one, this is a different kind of fear, obviously. So let me give you a biblical definition of 
the fear of God. The fear of God is an awesome respect, reverence, or honor that we hold towards God and His power. Let me say that again. The fear of God is an awesome respect, reverence, or honor that we hold towards God and His power. And and let's look at one picture of that from Scripture because I want you to see the result of fearing God and what that looks like in our lives. Look at Psalm 128, verses 1 through 4. And I share this one because this is the ideal picture of someone who has the full blessing as a result of fearing the Lord. It says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. So this is why I'm preaching this this morning, because... This is what I want for you. To live well for God. To have His full blessing in your life. In in your relationships and beyond. And this is just a, a one picture. If you're not married this morning, that's okay. The blessing of God is still found in your relationships. And God says this is a picture of what it looks like for you and I to fear the Lord. And I want that blessing. And I want that blessing for you. Now, to revere or to fear God as we ought, I believe it's critical for us to understand His nature. In the book of Job, we see that Job is a man who fears the Lord. And in Job 37, we see the basic reason why God is held in reverence or fear. It's because of who He is. Listen to verses 22 and 24 from Job 37. It says, God is clothed with awesome splendor and majesty. The Almighty. We cannot imagine His power. He is great in justice and abundant righteousness in His dealings with men. No wonder men everywhere fear Him. Who among us has seen the fullness of God? The fullness of His character and His nature? None of us have. But we get glimpses. And God shows us His nature as we look for it. Um, Often we'll see God's nature in the amazing creation in front of us. Um, Our family's gone to Colorado uh, numerous times. We we see the mountains and, and we sense some of God's natural beauty. And it gives us a feeling of reverence and awe for our Creator. Perhaps no one captures the character of God better than C.S. Lewis in his Chronicles of Narnia, series of seven fantasy novels in which he portrays the Lord Jesus Christ as a lion, just as John does in Revelation 5. Remember that from last week. And the lion is a figure that's fierce and powerful, and yet tender at the same time. His splendor is dazzling. His wrath is terrible, and yet his love and his tenderness are infinite. To be in his presence was awesome. Quoting C.S. Lewis, 
It says, As the lion passed by, they were terribly afraid that, that the lion would turn and look at them, and yet in some queer way they wished that he would. Naturally, one would be nervous meeting a lion. The question was asked to one who knew this lion well, Is he safe? I find the answer both wise and startling. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I believe this is a message that we need to hear today. The reverence for God. How irreverently we treat God and His name. The third commandment tells us not to take God's name in vain, which means lightly or loosely or irreverently. And I believe our culture has totally lost its fear of the Lord. And the churches of America may not be far behind. And this is a serious thing, because when you and I lose our fear of the Lord, then we lose our fear of any authority above ourselves whether it's police or parent or grandparent. And as you look at our culture, I don't, I don't think I need to provide any illustrations of that. We see that clearly happening in our culture. We are losing our fear of the Lord. But there's hope. Our motivation to fear Him or to honor Him can grow out of understanding who He is by having an intimate relationship with Him. And so, parents, I want to talk to you specifically for a moment. I know it's Mother's Day, but I want to talk to both parents this morning. Our desire is for our children to walk in the ways of the Lord. We want them to love the Lord and to follow Him. And it's our responsibility as parents to teach and to instruct our children, to point them in God's direction. But parents, unless your children have a relationship, unless they have an encounter or an experience of God personally, I'm afraid none of that information is going to make a lot of difference. That's humbling. But it's true. I'm not saying stop teaching. Keep teaching. Keep passing information. The information is great. But your children need an encounter, a relationship with the living God. And young people this morning, we can't force you to love God. And some of us may have tried. But you've got to seek out an active relationship with Him. And that's true for all of us. It's true for all of us. And as your pastor, I love to teach and encourage and try to motivate you. But unless you get a vision or at least a glimpse of who God is, unless you have an ongoing relationship with Him, I think it's wasted energy because you're going to do whatever you want to do regardless of God's Word. But when you get a glimpse of God, when you get a vision of who He is, when you see His holiness, when, when He reveals Himself to you, it will change your life or it can change your life if you allow it to. If you will seek Him and live in the fear of the Lord. And as we seek Him as we have this ongoing relationship of trying to understand the fullness of His nature, the wonder of who He is, we will see all kinds of motivations for godly fear. 
And so just for a few minutes, I want to give you some motivations for godly fear. What would motivate us to have a godly fear? Well, first of all, it leads us to salvation. Many people who turn to Christ are fearful of hell, and rightfully so. Now, hopefully that isn't the only reason to have godly fear, but it's not a bad one. We might not like that. We might want to picture God as a type of kindly old grandfather who would never send anyone to hell. But you know what? That's our culture's idea of who God is. That's, that's not an accurate picture. We like to think of God as a God of sentimental love and, and not actually the God of the Old and the New Testaments who also desires righteousness and holiness. But Hebrews 10.31 tells us it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The fear of God converted the shipmates of the prophet Jonah and later the inhabitants of Nineveh. And Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, Fear Him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And so the fear of the Lord can lead people to salvation. Second, we're motivated to fear God because we see it is commanded. If you take a topical Bible and you read over verses regarding the fear of God, or or maybe you go online to Bible Gateway and you type in the fear of God, I think you'd be amazed at how many times the fear of God is mentioned and even encouraged in both the Old and the New Testament. Let me just read a few examples. Deuteronomy 10.12, it says, What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Ecclesiastes 12.13 Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Psalm 33.8 Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. Why should we fear the Lord? We're commanded to. Why else? Lots of reasons. Thirdly, because it leads us to wisdom. Which brings us to perhaps the most well-known verse regarding the fear of God. Proverbs 1.7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why would people scorn wisdom? Proverbs 1.29 says, Because they hate knowledge and they do not choose the fear of the Lord. And so, if we reject God, if we cut ourselves off, uh, when we do reject God, we cut ourselves off from the true source of wisdom. We might be wise in our own eyes, we might be wise in the eyes of the world, but we're trusting a twisted perspective if we don't fear the Lord. And so the Bible tells us continually that if we want wisdom, we should fear the Lord. And there are other motivators. You and I have a sinful nature, which means that we naturally move towards sinning. What will cause us to overcome this tendency? The Holy Spirit, by the fear of the Lord, it will keep us from sin. That's my fourth point there, or fourth motivator fear of the Lord will keep us from sin. When we revere the Lord, we keep ourselves from sin. Proverbs 16.6 instructs us, through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. 
Do you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? It's a New Testament story. Ananias and Sapphira were members of the early Christian church and they behaved in a lying, deceitful way and they were struck down by God. And according to Acts 5.11, great fear seized the whole church. And so whenever we see God disciplining or punishing someone in His church, it should move us to a godly fear. Hebrews 12.28 urges, Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. It's power. That verse refers to Deuteronomy 4.24, where God is warning Israel about their own idolatry. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning, what, what keeps you from sinning? What helps to keep you from sin? Is it fear of hell? Well, if you've received Christ, His cleansing blood covers your past and your present and your future sins, so there's no need to worry about that. But that's no license to sin, right? Because Paul says in Romans 6, 1 and 2, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin, So how can we live in it any longer? No. That's not our motivation. Got to see my family this weekend just for a brief time and and got to see my father once again who it's hard for me to believe he's 78 years old. He'll be 79 years old later this, this year. But there's a man that I respect and I love. And I respect and love him, not out of fear uh, that he's going to stop loving me or that somehow he's going to punish me. We're, we're, we're well beyond that. But simply because of who he is. That respect that I have for my father, it, it makes me even now want to please him. And so I'm wondering this morning, does your relationship with your heavenly father have that kind of motivation? My hope for you is that you would have such a love for the Father in heaven that you wouldn't dare come close to doing anything that would offend or hurt Him because you love Him. He's your Father. Sometimes I'll have people come and ask me, well, Pastor, what, what can I do? You know, like, well, where's the line? You know, can I, how, how far can I go and still be Okay. And I want to tell him, don't, don't ask those kinds of questions. Don't, don't go there. Just love your Father. And if you love your Father in heaven, you're not going to want to go close to that line. It'll motivate you to steer well clear of that because you love Him. You respect Him. You honor Him. That reverence keeps us from sinning. Also, uh, fifth point, it gets us through hard times. It gets us through hard times. Job was asked, Is not the fear of God your confidence? God, who has limitless power, welcomes our prayers, and He cares about our hearts. We need not fear the future, for we know the One who holds the future. And so this awesomeness of God is our confidence, even in hard times. Our godly fear helps to get us through those times. And sixth, it affects life itself. Proverbs 10.27 says, 
the fear of the Lord adds length to life. And then in 1427, it says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And David sings in Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. And so this is a general principle here. It's not a magic one, two, three formula, but it's a general principle. If you want to live a good and longer life, fear God. I hope this is motivating for you. Because there's so many reasons for us to honor and respect and revere God. If you're a leader or you want to become a leader, the Bible tells us it is essential for leaders. In Exodus 18, for example, Moses gives as a prerequisite for leaders that they should fear God. Those entrusted with government authority are warned in Psalm 2, another example, 10 through 12, Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you be destroyed in your way, for His wrath can flare up in a moment. And so leaders, fear the Lord. We could go on and on, but I want to give you one more. Finally, it results in answered prayer. It results in answered prayer. Psalm 145, 19. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. And so for you this morning to think about and for me to ask, are your prayers characterized by a reverence for the Almighty? If any fear is beneficial, this one is. Uh, This weekend I got to hear a speaker at uh, the graduation one of the graduation uh, ceremonies, and he was talking about how fear in our day is at an all-time high. That may be true. That may not be true. I'm not sure. But there's a lot of fear out there. But if you think about it, if you fear the Lord, if that is your primary fear, that swallows up all the other fears. And so if you're going to fear something, fear the Lord. It will remove all your other fears. Because as we cast our cares upon Him, again, we all have fears, as we cast our cares upon Him, He gives us His Spirit, His courage. In closing, what keeps you and I from the fear of the Lord? What keeps us from having this kind of attitude of reverence or awe towards God? What keeps us from having this kind of attitude that says, I don't want to displease my Father. I want to please Him because I honor Him and respect Him. What keeps us from that? Well, I think to answer that, each one of us has to examine ourselves and see what we fear more than God. To see who or what we serve above God or what threatens to be served above God. Perhaps our own pride is the culprit. And I'll close with this story on that point. David Harrell wrote a book telling the story of his father, Edgar Harrell. Edgar was one of the 300 survivors of the sinking of the USS Indianapolis, the last U.S. ship sunk by enemy contact in World War II. 
600 of the 900 men who survived the ship's sinking were stranded in the water for five days, many with only a life vest, all of them facing thirst, hunger, injuries, dehydration, and sharks. They all came face to face with fear and their own mortality. Edgar testifies of those days alone in the ocean. He says, Clearly, there were no atheists in the water that day. Gone was that damnable attitude of pride that deceives men into thinking that there is no God, or if there is, they don't really need Him. He says, When a man is confronted with death, it is the face of Almighty God he sees, not his own. We were all acutely aware of our Creator during those days and nights. And so this morning, my friends, do not wait until the end of your life or when you are suddenly faced with your own mortality to begin to fear the Lord. Do not wait. You may not have the chance. But why wait even if you did? Humble yourselves now while you still have the strength to serve and to love the Lord and to to revere Him. Don't be foolish and wait on this. The fear of the Lord, the Word says, is the beginning of wisdom. You and I live in a world where we can have all the knowledge of the world at our fingertips. But I want you to know it doesn't make any difference unless you give the Lord your heart. The Lord wants your heart. He wants you to give it fully to Him. He wants your reverence, your honor, your respect. And He is worthy of it. Fear the Lord.